Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Right, Ancestors Footprints. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and a special welcome to the callers and chatters to the show. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. Tonight's show will focus on an update on the latest tools and challenges available from the various DNA testing companies to assist you with analyzing your DNA matches. Through the Tree blog is authored by Shannon Christmas, an experienced genealogist specializing in genetic, colonial American, and African American genealogy in Virginia and the Carolinas. He serves as a 23andMe Ancestry Ambassador, Administrator of the Captain Thomas Graves of Jamestown Autosomal DNA Project, and as a co-administrator of the Hemings, Jefferson, Wells, Epps Autosomal DNA Project, and the Macon DNA Project a genetic genealogy instructor on the faculty of the Midwest African American Institute, Shannon has a special interest in harnessing the power of autosomal DNA to verify and extend pedigrees, assess the veracity of oral history, and reconstruct ancestral genomes. So let me give a warm welcome to Shannon Christmas to Ancestors Footprints. Welcome, Shannon. Oh, well, thank you ever so much, Bernice, for having me tonight. Well, Shannon, you know, you and I talk a lot. We talk about updates, what's happening, and, you know, I try to get you on at least twice a year because it just looks like what's happening with the DNA companies is moving so fast. 
So why don't we just start off with some of the trends you have observed with the various DNA testing sites? Well, I think the one single common trend among them all uh, is that they are all growing quite rapidly. Uh, Ever since last year's uh, holiday sales, Ancestry and 23andMe and several of the other companies, we've seen massive numbers of testers joining these websites. And uh, many of them are coming not necessarily for genealogy. Uh, In fact, many more are joining the websites for the purposes of getting what Ancestry DNA calls an ethnicity estimate or what 23andMe calls the ancestry composition. They are looking for admixture reports. Uh, many of them are driven by a very basic level of curiosity. And some just want to be part of the fad. They want to have the opportunity to get uh, quantified self-content for their social media channels. And that admixture report is a wonderful little molecular selfie for them. Uh, so that is where we are. Lots and lots and lots of new matches. So with that, these new matches and given what you've just said, well, what, what kind of challenges are we faced with? All of those new matches present us with both opportunities and challenges. The opportunities are rather obvious that we get more people to help us uh, determine, confirm, investigate our genetic ancestors. On the other hand, the challenges uh, are quite quite challenging. Uh, We can't get many of these matches to actually communicate in many cases. Many of the people testing are thinking that they're getting an admixture report and just an admixture report. So they're not looking for us. They are looking for admixture. And in some cases, they don't want us. They just want admixture. So that requires the genealogist to investigate the matches. That means figuring out who these people are and building out their family trees for them. Many times we send messages and we don't get responses. But that doesn't mean we can't uh, make full use of the matches that have been presented. Uh, So that means using Google That means using the people search sites to learn exactly who these matches are and, once again, build out their family trees for them using Ancestry.com or FamilySearch or MyHeritage and finding out exactly where their family line intersects with yours and identifying the most recent common ancestor 
the individuals who are most likely to have passed down the DNA that you share with your match. But given what you've said, I mean, the opportunities are definitely there, as you've you've pointed out. But when you say that some of the matches don't want us, or many Mm -hmm. times they just don't respond, and we're on this journey to to make that connection, how do you know that you're really connecting with the right person even when you start with the People Search tools, especially if Mm -hmm. people have names like, uh, you know, Roger Rabbit or (laughs) they don't, Mm -hmm. you know, don't have the right names that are associated with, with the kids? Great question. Sometimes matches who don't want to connect or communicate in any way upload a photograph of themselves. And in some cases, they use the same photograph on the Ancestry DNA or MyHeritage DNA that they use on other websites. You can actually use Google Chrome and do a right-click on the photograph that you see on the DNA test site and search for that photograph all over the Internet using Google. And in some cases, that brings you to sites that that include the match's actual name, their given name, and their surname. So that's one way of doing it. You mentioned the use of nicknames and pseudonyms. Well, sometimes people use those on multiple sites, not just a DNA site. So you can take that uh, obviously fake name, Roger Rabbit, for instance, and if they've added a number at the end, as many tend to do, Roger Rabbit 26578, you can go and search for that. And you might pull up their Twitter account. You might find their Facebook profile. And you can use the social media profiles as well to dig into who these people are. On social media, people post all sorts of things, including family photographs and messages to family. So you can use those to help build out a family tree. Uh, In many cases, you will find that the information on social media is far more helpful than what they've included in the family trees they've attached to their DNA test results. But are you identify or have you identified a specific demographic group that's more likely to not respond to the messages, or is this just a general observation for all groups? It is a general observation, and I know for a fact that the internal messaging systems found on these websites require some retooling. Uh, They do not always transmit messages the way they are supposed to. And so that is another factor in the very low response rates that many of us have seen. So let's 
take for a minute, you re, you send out a message to someone. From your experience, how long should you wait before you re-message them? That's a great question. I typically do not re-message. Uh, I typically just send the one introductory message, and I either get a response right away or I get a response later. I think it's important now to uh, not wait to hear back, in a sense, and just do your own reconnaissance. Uh, that's just the way it is now. Now, Shannon, you mentioned, you know, sometimes the internal messaging systems are not quite working. And I have noticed that I have sent messages, let's say a year ago, and I'm just now getting responses from individuals. And it appears as if the person has just closed out their account or didn't renew their account. And when they do re-up, renewal, all of a sudden they're getting their messages. And they've actually sent me messages saying, I'm just now seeing this message. Mm-hmm. But it was sent a year ago. Have you had a similar yes, experience? I, I have had similar experiences with people or DNA matches responding years after having uh, received my message or years after I sent the message. And they write me back saying that they are just now seeing my message after three, four, five years in some cases. Yes. Now, we have a comment in the in the chat room uh, from Kanika saying she usually noticed when the match last used, let's say, Ancestry, because there's a date there. Yes. Uh, Ancestry does provide a date for the last login for each match. Uh, 23andMe uh, does not do that. Uh, they consider that private. Uh, and I'm not sure that any of the other companies are providing a last login date. I haven't noticed that. Uh, but the last login date can sometimes uh, be an indication as to the level of interest the match may have. Uh, and we don't know the subscription statuses of each one of our matches. So we do have to keep in mind that there are things that subscribers at Ancestry DNA are able to see that non-subscribers at Ancestry DNA are not able to see. Uh, to include a full family tree, you can see that as a subscriber, but an unsubscribing match will not be able to see it. Uh, so just keep that in mind as you go through the process of attempting to communicate with your genetic relatives. Well, let's start off, I mean, since you mentioned ancestry and what you can see if you're a subscriber and what you can't see, let's start off with some of the changes you've observed with Ancestry? I guess since we last talked. 
Oh, well, the main change is just growth. The number of people in the database uh, continues to swell. I think the last statistic they provided indicated that Ancestry DNA uh, has sold at least 14 million DNA kits. Uh, so it is a massive database. Uh, there's also been changes to uh, the DNA story or the ethnicity estimate, and that they have completely revamped that. Uh, there was a lot that people had to say about the changes to their own individual ethnicity estimates. Uh, but as I always say, admixture is a bit of a crapshoot, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, the continental level results tend to be the most accurate once you get into regional and nation state level results. Well, things get a bit more dicey. <laughs> Uh, the other change that's happened is that Ancestry DNA actually uh, has listed the amount of shared DNA uh, on the list of DNA matches before you had to click on the individual's profile to see the amount of shared DNA. That's right. Uh, so those that's are the right. major changes at Ancestry thus far, but they also appear to be planning uh, to roll out or launch a new tool that some suspect will be a replacement or the new Ancestor Discoveries tool that was discontinued. Uh, but that, of course, is speculation for the most part. Uh, there have been some banners about there being something new under various names that indicate that it would make it easier if we had this tool to understand the most, uh, or rather to identify the most recent common ancestors uh, that we share with our DNA matches. But we will just have to wait and see. <laughs> well, this, it, you know, it's always exciting to hear when something new is getting ready to come down the pike uh, so that we're not surprised. But as you said, we just have to wait and see. So mm -hmm. let's see what's going to happen with 23andMe or what has happened with 23andMe. Mm -hmm. So 23andMe has revamped their ancestry composition recently and uh, done what people have been asking for for some time, and that's uh, created a more granular admixture report specifically for individuals who have some type of sub-Saharan African uh, DNA detected by 23andMe. So that breakdown is now looking at not just uh, regions such as West Africa, but breaking it down into the names of nation states such as Nigeria and uh, the Congo. 
So that's been one major change at 23andMe. And currently they are working on some changes to DNA relatives. They've recently added uh, Neanderthal DNA comparisons as part of the DNA relatives package, uh, which may interest some. And there are additional changes on the way, according to a banner that recently appeared on 23andMe within the last day or so. A banner? Like what? Yes, if you log into 23andMe uh, and you go to DNA Relatives, you Mm -hmm. will see a banner on the website that indicates uh, that changes are coming to DNA Relatives and the sharing process. Uh, So I highly recommend if you are a 23andMe customer that you log in, go to DNA Relatives, read the banner, and begin to understand what that means for you and sharing your uh, genome, as they say, at 23andMe, or sharing ancestry reports with your matches. Mm-hmm. Now, we have a, a message in the chat room, and it's, it relates to um, the increased number of migrations, genetic communities. Um, the, the chatter is saying they're, they're interesting and seem accurate, but not for some. Like she has a, mm-hmm. a NA genetic community, Native American, North, Central, South, and she got 1%. When she had zero percent before, so that that seems to have changed. Uh, Family Tree Girl is saying that she's not seeing a banner on on her twenty three and Me. It's twenty three and Me. Uh, if if that's what you're looking at, Family Tree Girl. But let's talk about those relatives again and what you are seeing, and why don't you tell people what it means when they see a list of matches and they have yes or no next to their name. Yes, so you're referring to 23andMe's DNA relatives. 23andMe, that's correct. And in DNA relatives, you have a list of DNA matches. If you click on the name of one of those matches, then you will see as part of the information that's listed in the profile, a list of relatives in common. And when you see a list of relatives in common, that simply means that these are individuals who match the match whose profile you are reading and also match you. And you'll see how much DNA that person shares with you and how much DNA that person shares with the individual whose profile you are reading at that time. The final column on the right says shared DNA. And you will see for each relative in common, that it says either yes or no. Yes refers to that person, that match, the match whose profile you are in at that time, and yourself 
all match up on the same DNA segment. If you see no, then that means you do not all match up on, on the same DNA segment. If you all match up on the same DNA segment, if you are seeing yes, then that indicates that the three of you inherited your shared DNA from the same ancestor. If you see no, that means that the DNA could be from the same ancestor, but you just don't share the same pieces. Or it could be that the three of you all match each other, but piece of DNA you share with match A and the piece of DNA you share with match B came from different family lines. You have to go through a process of analysis to determine exactly what's going on there. But if you see yes, you know for certain you each got the same piece of DNA from the same ancestor. Okay. So everybody, if you have a chance, just go into your, if you're 23andMe, go in and take a look at it. Because you will find, I mean, I, I can, I've gone in and I've seen, uh, you have 175 relatives in common. But as I've gone down the list of those relatives in common, I have found, yes, we do share relatives in common, but they are not always on the same segment. Mm-hmm. And it does help to, to understand what that is. Now, um, we have a couple of questions in here, but I'll take one stating that they do see the banner and they also mm-hmm. see the new ancestry composition. And this individual matches two Nigerians, and they, they, he's mm-hmm. stating that they're there. Now, there's a question here about sorting those matches. And mm-hmm. how would you recommend that they sort the matches of the individuals mm-hmm. they share in common? Excellent question. So at this time, uh, sorting the relatives in common on the actual DNA test website, say for instance, on 23andMe, you cannot sort the relatives in common. And the same is true at Ancestry DNA. You cannot sort the relatives in common or shared matches, as they call them, uh, at all on the website. Uh, what you can do is sort your overall match list. Uh, and I believe the same is true at MyHeritage uh, DNA. You're not able to sort on the website. Right, the but you can common. download. You can't. There is a feature on 23andMe where you can download your aggregate, and then yes. you can sort in an Excel yes, spreadsheet. You can sort. Yes, you can sort and filter your overall match list as it comes down through a spreadsheet. Uh, but right. on the actual website, 
relatives in common or shared batches, you cannot sort them. They are already sorted from closest match to you to most distant match to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's a question. How can – we're going back to Ancestry for one second. Uh, they would like to know how can they download their DNA relatives from Ancestry? Excellent question. So there are a number of tools that are out there for that process. Uh, I believe DNA Jetcom still allows you to uh, pull a list of matches, uh, but I believe it restricted uh, a bit in terms of uh, how much of a list you can pull. Uh, just because there are so many matches at uh, Ancestry DNA that it can be a bit overwhelming for the systems uh, to pull all of that data. Oh. So that is probably the best way to go about it is using uh, DNA JetCom, which is a third-party tool or third-party website that has a suite of tools that you can use for retrieving information from the website and analyzing it as you see fit. Now, you can also download your matches from uh, MyHeritage. Yes, you can also download a spreadsheet from MyHeritage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I hope all of you have at least downloaded once. I try to download sometimes every six months because the change is unbelievable, all the new matches that keep coming in. But let's now talk about, do you have anything else to add about 23andMe before we go to uh, MyHeritage? Well, I think that's all that I have for 23andMe at this time. Okay, so what changes have you observed in MyHeritage? Now, MyHeritage, once again, has experienced a lot of growth, uh, and they've also made some changes to uh, the look and feel of their website, mostly aesthetic changes at this point. Uh, Their tools are in place, and I do know that they expect to look at some additional changes over uh, this year. So just keep your eyes open for that. Um, I think one of the great things about my heritage DNA is the fact that you have access to DNA segment data and also you have access to family trees. Many more uh, matches are developing family trees at my heritage DNA than they are at 23 and me. Uh, so that's a big plus. And uh, they also make it easy to find individuals who share uh, a triangulated DNA segment or a triangulated group, if you will, where you and a match and a match that you have in common all match up on the same DNA segment. And what about the the messaging uh, feature on MyHeritage? So the messaging feature at MyHeritage DNA has remained pretty much uh, the same as it always has been, as far as I can tell. Uh, 
it is your first line of communication uh, with your matches. I do think that if you are able, it is better, though, to find your matches email address if you can and email them directly as opposed to going through an internal messaging system. And for that matter, since you mentioned email, are you recommending that individuals uh, send their email when they send a message to a DNA relative? Absolutely. Uh, You should always send contact information where someone, a DNA relative, can contact you directly and not have to be at the mercy of the messaging systems. Which is a great, great, great idea because you've definitely opened up the line of communication much sooner if they can talk to you offline. Well, we're going to take a really quick break and then come right back to continue this discussion. Just a quick break. Ancestors Footprints. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where I will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy and history questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn.com, and Stitcher.com. Well, before I bring Shannon back on, I have an announcement from the Midwest African American Genealogy Institute. Registration is now open for Maggie. Maggie is the only institute devoted exclusively to African-American genealogy. The course will start July 9th through the 11th at the Allen County Public Library Genealogy Center at Fort Wayne, Indiana. For further information, please go to the website www.maggie.com. Institute.org. And Shannon Christmas is one of the instructors for the intermediate DNA class. So I'm sure you all will want to 
spend time at Maggie with Shannon. So, Shannon, let's continue our discussion with the updates on the various DNA testing companies. What have you observed with Family Tree DNA? Well, that's a great question. So Family Tree DNA has released uh, what we call the big Y700, and that is a Y-chromosome DNA test, a next-generation sequencing uh, Y-DNA test, which means it's very advanced and very precise. Uh, And it used to be the big Y500. In other words, you would get 500 markers as part of your uh, Y-DNA analysis. Uh, Now the number of markers has been expanded to 700, uh, which means that you will get even more precision. So what are you looking for, though, for those that are really into the why? Just where does it take you? Great question. So why DNA testing has been uh, used for quite some time for genealogical research. And this type of test is getting uh, more into Uh, anthropology and uh, the deep science of analysis for the Y chromosome. So if you are someone who is very much interested in advancing the science uh, of genetic genealogy in a way that may not necessarily provide immediate gratification when it comes to uh, resolving genealogical mysteries, uh, then the big Y is for you, big Y 500 or big Y 700. Uh, Because the idea of Y DNA testing, of DNA testing uh, in its entirety, is that you are matched up with other relatives. And so if you are the only person that has done big Y 500, or the only person in your family line who has done big Y700, then the value for resolving genealogical mysteries is rather limited because you won't have many people to compare yourself with, or rather you won't have anyone uh, to compare yourself with at that level uh, in your family unless someone else is doing it. So this might be a great thing for uh, individuals who are already part of surname projects where Mm -hmm. other people, other men with your surname, are going to take this test. Uh, So that's what's really going on with uh, family tree DNA right now. The main focus in terms of innovation has been on uh, the Y chromosome DNA testing. Okay, so what's happening with mtDNA? Well, with the mitochondrial DNA testing, uh, I think it has gone as far as it's going to go for now. Uh, You can get a full mitochondrial DNA sequence at Family Tree DNA anytime you want, but of course, it uh, always works best to wait for a sale. 
Okay. Okay, so take us, what else is happening with uh, FTDNA? Well, there has been talk of a triangulation feature coming down to uh, Family Tree DNA's family finder, and we will just have to wait and see if and when that materializes. Although one of the things I have noticed uh, in their in common feature, you can put mm-hmm. up to at least seven or eight individuals and see what's going on. Or click, there's a little button that you click in common, and you see all of the people popping up that are that share uh, mm-hmm. DNA. So, so it's there, yeah. but it's good to hear that this, you know, you mentioned this feature coming in. Yes, the another in thing with though is there. Yes, another thing I've noticed that they have another button where you can uh, really sort by when the DNA matches came in, uh, and you mm-hmm. can actually see the date when they first uh, popped into uh, to your profile or your your list of DNA matches. So that that's helpful too. Now, whether we know when they are logging in, that's another story because it doesn't tell us. But we do see when they uh, join the system. Mm -hmm. So let's go into this whole discussion about third-party tools. What can you tell us about third-party tools, and are they useful? Yeah, so third-party tools are typically applications that have been created uh, by third parties. In other words, independent uh, individuals or companies other than, say, Ancestry or MyHeritage or Family Tree DNA. Uh, And these tools allow us to analyze our genetic data and our DNA matches in ways that are not necessarily Uh, available or open at the commercial DNA databases. So you have places such as GEDmatch, DNA GEDcom, Genetic Affairs, DNA Painter, and several others that allow you to dig deeper into your DNA and find insights that were elusive on the other websites. So you mentioned GEDmatch, and since you mentioned it, given some of the publicity that's been out there on uh, catching serial killers and what have you, uh, what are you basically telling people? They may have been frightened away from uh, uploading their data to GEDmatch. What can you say to people that... uh, show some reluctance to doing this? My best advice to those who are reluctant to transfer their DNA data to GEDmatch is to, one, read up on exactly what GEDmatch is, what it does, and who uses it, and why. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then... It is up to the individual to come up with a solution. Do they use it? Do they not use it? Uh, 
Uh, I personally find GEDmatch too invaluable uh, to stop using it. Uh, I think that I have gotten pieces of information that were so crucial to my genealogical research at GEDmatch and nowhere else but GEDmatch that I could not abandon it. Uh, You really have to prioritize. If you are more concerned about how GEDmatch is used by other entities than you are making genealogical discoveries, then GEDmatch may not be the place for you. If you care more about genealogical discoveries than how various authorities are using GEDmatch, then you probably want to use GEDmatch. But, of course, the choice is yours. Right. The choice is yours. And the most important piece to understand is that it's informed consent, that you should read, as you said, read up on it, understand it, and then make an informed decision as to whether you will or will not participate in this third-party tool. Yes, and that goes for every third-party tool as well as every commercial DNA database. Uh, The same rules apply because uh, the issues don't begin and end with law enforcement use of JetMatch. There are lots of things to consider, and it's important to read how to use every single DNA database and every tool that you are considering using. Right. The other tool that you mentioned was DNA Painter. Why don't you tell people about DNA Painter and how useful is this particular tool? DNA Painter is a site that allows you to do what we call chromosome mapping. So you can actually tag an ancestor or a pair of ancestors to a specific DNA segment. You can copy and paste the matching DNA segment details from a site such as MyHeritageDNA or GEDmatch and paste those details into DNA Painter. And if you already know uh, the common ancestors matching you to a specific person, you can color code that DNA segment to those most recent common ancestors. Uh, This site is, for the most part, free, but if you want access to more advanced options or more efficient options in DNA Painter, then there is a subscription. DNA Painter also has a number of tools that you can use, such as the What are the Odds tool. That tool allows you to put together an hypothesis of how you are related or how you descend from a specific ancestor based on the probabilities created uh, in the shared Santa Morgan project. There's also an additional tool tied to that project where you can type in the amount of DNA you share with a specific match and get a list of probabilities for how you likely are related to that match. 
But Shannon, even if you have the tools and you really like to work with these kind of tools, you still need to understand and have done some genealogy or have a tree. Because without that, how is this tool useful to you? Uh, Well, it can be quite useful for those who are actually adoptees or find themselves in the position of trying to identify uh, their biological fathers and Mm -hmm. that you can do the uh, what are are the odds uh, calculations and create hypotheses for who in a specific family is your biological parent. Mm-hmm. You can also use the Shared Center Morgan Project to look at probabilities, uh, relationship probabilities, and then use those to create a family tree where you do a sort of modeling, if you will, of how you probably fit into that specific family. So you do need to still... Uh, collect family tree information from your matches. But you don't necessarily need to have done family history research for yourself to make use of some of these tools. Mm-hmm. So you have a question, Shannon, and and the question is, if you wanted to hire someone to work on your DNA, What are some of the specifics you suggest they look for? Well, that's an excellent question. I think that before you reach out to a professional genealogist, you should consider what your research question is. I often receive inquiries from individuals seeking professional assistance but they haven't narrowed down what it is they really want. And that's something that you have to do before you reach out to a professional because that will help you figure out exactly what kind of professional genealogist you need. Uh, If you need someone to just simply go and retrieve records for you, then that's might mean looking at a different set of people than if you need someone to interpret or analyze your DNA match results for you. Well, the the question is directly related to DNA. Mm-hmm. What specifics would you suggest they look for if they're looking for somebody to help them analyze their DNA? I would say it's important, once again, to narrow down your research question. If you are, for instance, an adoptee that is looking for assistance identifying your biological parents using DNA, then you would want to look for someone who has experience with adoption cases and unknown Mm -hmm. parentage cases. If you are someone who is looking for assistance identifying an ancestor from 
an African-American perspective, for instance, then you would want someone who understands the dynamics involved with doing genetic genealogy for that specific population. Uh, And in any case, if you are looking for a genetic genealogist, then you probably want to deal with a genetic genealogist who has some experience, not only with DNA, but also with genealogy in a specific regions where your family, where your ancestors were from. Because it's not just interpreting DNA by itself. You have to put it in the context of your genealogy, of your family's history. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. And did 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 this question get answered to uh, your specifications? If not, please keep asking, and I'll see if we can get more uh, response for you. I'm just talking to the person that asked the question. So, you know, before we move on from DNA painter, I just want to ask you to differentiate for us the difference in jet match and jet match genesis. Great question. So jet match, what I also like to call jet match classic, is the original jet match that's been around for years. The genesis platform is relatively new and is essentially becoming the new jet match. So the Mm -hmm. sites are combined now. Genesis was created to facilitate matching individuals on various or who tested on various DNA platforms. Uh, So it's a different algorithm for matching uh, that makes it easier to match people who say tested on 23andMe years ago and need to be matched up with people who are now on MyHeritage or living DNA. Uh, So that is what Genesis is in a nutshell. All of the kits from Jetmatch Classic have been migrated over to Jetmatch Genesis and have access to the tools that are now on Jetmatch Genesis. Although you do see some change. And so tell us what's different and what you may have to, um, on Genesis, that you may have to actually go in and and donate to the Tier 1 to get the additional uh, support that you once had on, as you called it, JetMatch Classic. Right. So many of the tools from JetMatch Classic have been or in the process of being moved over uh, to GEDmatch Genesis. Some of those tools that used to be uh, free are now part of Tier 1 or the subscription version of GEDmatch Genesis. Mm-hmm. So that includes phasing, for instance. The phasing tool used to be a free tool which allowed you to separate your maternally inherited DNA, the DNA that you got from your mother, from the paternally inherited DNA that you have inherited from your father. 
Mm-hmm. Now, if you want access to phasing, you should sign up for a Tier 1 subscription. And there are many tools that are still in beta on Jetmatch Genesis that are still in the process of being uh, made fully functional. So just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you said not fully functional. Uh, can you give us an example of what's not fully functional? Uh, there is a jet match one to many that is currently in beta, which means that there might still be some bugs uh, or additional changes that you will see soon. Uh, so that's just one example, but it's important that if you are using JetMatch and you have not signed in since uh, the migration over to Genesis, you should sign in and you can use your original login to log into Genesis and see how things are working for you. And if you do have problems, make the JetMatch team aware so that they can address and resolve those issues, not just for yourself, but for everyone in the Jet Match community. Mm-hmm. And then there's a question of can uh, can the phasing tool on a son be used uh, with his paternal uncle? So the Jet Match phasing tool can only be used with what we call. Uh, parent, child, duos, and trios. So you must have one child with at least one of the child's parents. So now you cannot use a paternal uncle to do phasing at jet match. Okay, because the, the, the child's father is, is deceased. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, here's a, a situation. Pa is not pa. If you see that, do you have any tips to share on how they should handle a pa is not pa situation? Great question. I think that each one of those situations has its own dynamic. And it can be challenging, generally speaking, to say what to do next. But there are resources available on Facebook, uh, specifically uh, DNA Detectives and several other Facebook groups that have been created for dealing with what we call misattributed parentage events. And so Mm -hmm. if you need to uh, connect and communicate with individuals who have gone through the same situation, then social media in the form of uh, private Facebook groups might be for you. That might be something you want to investigate. Uh, But once again, I think that everyone has their own way of dealing with those types of situations. And it's important to be So, Shannon, the question is... How how would you handle it as the as the professional genetic genealogist? Well, if 
that is an issue for one of my clients, then I report it to them. Uh, And I, too, would recommend reaching out to some of these resources that are available for dealing with that situation. Okay. And uh, just be there to listen and be there for the client. Mm-hmm. It's emotional, too. I mean, it's, it's, there's this whole emotional side of DNA that uh, we don't talk about as much. We talk a lot about the science, but there's another piece to this, and this is when you start finding the unexpected results of the pa mm-hmm. is not pa, or the sister has a different father, or you find an outside child. I mean, these these are things that are happening when folks take their DNA, uh, the secrets, mm-hmm. the scandals, the lies. Uh, and it's it's preparing people for what just might happen when that takes place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, be prepared to learn things that you didn't already know uh, and that you may not have expected. Uh, that is the nature of genetic genealogy. Yes, it is. It is the nature, and and we just need to talk about it. We need to discuss it. You know, what are you going to do? What what are these what if scenarios that may come up? And you see a lot of this being played out on Facebook, mm-hmm. where people are yeah. sharing with complete strangers what has happened within their own family. And they're doing that because they're seeking support, they're seeking answers, they're shocked, they're, they don't know what to do. And so, I mean, this is playing out a lot. Yes, I just say uh, be mindful of what you can learn and, you know, just expect the unexpected. Yes. Now, I want to take you back for a minute with the phasing question. Uh, could the son and the mother take it? I mean, you said it needs to be a parent and a child. So mm-hmm. the question is, since the father is deceased, what about phasing with the mother? What would that do? Yes, using one parent and one child will generate two new kit numbers for the child. One that will be reflective of the father's ancestry and the other will be reflective of the mother's ancestry. Uh, And you can take either one of those new kit numbers, put them into the one-to-many tool, for instance, at GEDmatch, and generate a list of matches that are only uh, matched up on DNA that came from one of the parents, meaning that okay. they are either a maternal cousin or a paternal cousin. Okay. And then, Shannon, um, 
another tool, uh, just tell us about another tool that may be out there that people may be interested in. For example, a tool mm-hmm. that may help them with their health if they want to look mm-hmm. at health risk. There is a site called Promethease where you can take your raw DNA data, upload it, and receive a report of health conditions. Uh, I have not used that uh, in years. Uh, I used it when it first was created, uh, and it has some reports that some find interesting. Uh, But those reports are not the same as testing with 23andMe directly and getting health reports from that service. Those uh, health reports from 23andMe have been vetted by the FDA, uh, the Food and Drug Administration, Uh, whereas Prometheus is generating reports that are based off of the scientific literature uh, but have not been approved by any federal authority. Uh, Genetic Affairs is another great place uh, in that it does what we call clustering. That means generating a visualization of genetic networks. So your DNA matches are clustered, showing how they are related to each other and related to you. If you see a specific cluster and you see a match that you don't know, but you see all of these matches that you've already determined, how they're related to you. Uh, You can generate a hypothesis for how the match that you haven't figured out yet, that you have not resolved, is related to you based on the cluster that it's in. So genetic affairs is one place where the clustering is taking place. DNA GEDCOM also has a clustering tool. And many people are now looking for additional ways to visualize these match clusters and generate hypotheses for how these unknown matches are related to them. You know, when you're talking about clustering and triangulation and really paying attention to what's happening to the the testing sites, what kind of time and energy do people need to really put into their DNA relatives or matching just to just to make sense and stay on top of this stuff? Great question. That is an everyday affair in that you should log into your DNA test results on a daily basis. Uh, not only to keep abreast of any changes to the websites, but also to ensure that you understand how to use the tools on the various websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also to keep up with DNA matches, which are increasing every day. So I say, at the very least, dedicating a few hours each day to looking over your DNA matches sending out correspondence, and understanding how they are all related to each other and to you. Right. This is, this is a lot of work, no doubt about it. 
But, you know, there is a question here. How do you convince family members to take a DNA test, especially since they think they will be cloned? Well, cloning is not something that will occur (laughs) from taking a DNA test. Uh, That just is not happening right now. So you can definitely tell them that. But I think it's important to help individuals understand exactly what can and cannot be done with a DNA test or a DNA sample that you've provided for a test. It is also important to help them understand what it is you hope to learn by having them take a DNA test on your behalf. And then what is the responsibility of a person that manages a kit? I mean, some people, and I see one person's managing 13 kits. What Mm -hmm. what responsibility do they now take on when they're managing that number of kits? The number one concern is to ensure that you have informed consent for anything you wish or hope to do with the DNA of your relatives or your clients as you manage their DNA for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's first and foremost. And again, you have to ensure that they understand what's happening. Uh, You will encounter relatives that are very happy to provide their DNA and have you manage it and don't really want anything else to do with it. You will also find relatives that want constant updates about what's happening and what you're learning. And you just have to be able to manage those expectations. Yes, yes, yes. And then what is the role of the administrator in communicating with relatives that that person may match since they are managing that kid? That should be defined by the person whose kid you are managing. Mm -hmm. If they don't want their DNA uh, out there for communicating with relatives, then that's something that you need to discuss with them. That, Mm -hmm. you know, you have certain plans and they have certain expectations. If the person doesn't want you contacting relatives uh, or matches on their account, then you have to have that conversation with them, Mm -hmm. whether it Mm -hmm. is useful for them to take a DNA test on your behalf uh, or whether you are okay with that. Right, right. Okay. Now, let me see. I have not told some of the kids with non-paternal events that PA is not PA because they only care about ethnicity. What Mm -hmm. should I do? Well, if you have an agreement that you are only supposed to report back about ethnicity, then that's the agreement that you should abide by. Mm 
at this point. Uh, One would think they would want to know about a situation like this, but if they don't, they don't. Okay. (laughs) Person say, woo, that's great. (laughs) They don't have to move forward with that. Well, Shannon, do you have any other comments or any other tools that you or updates you want to share with us before we close out tonight? I would just say that it's important to continue keeping up with anything and everything related to genetic genealogy. It's important to read the books and guides that are out there, not only online, but in print. I often recommend Genetic Genealogy in Practice by Blaine Bettinger and Debbie Parker Wayne, as well as The Beginner's Guide to DNA and Genetic Genealogy, also by Blaine Bettinger, as great books to read uh, to get a handle on both the basics and some of the more intermediate concepts in genetic genealogy. Uh, And once again, just visit the site as much as possible uh, to continue to understand what is changing and why. Okay, Shanna. Well, thank you so much. And for those of you in the... uh Washington, D.C. area. Shannon is speaking this Saturday, February the 2nd, at the Black History Conference. The title of the conference is Embracing Our African-American Genealogy Story. And this conference is at the Family History Center in Laurel. Uh, It is sponsored by the African-American Special Interest Group of the Washington, D.C. Family History Center and the Baltimore, Central Maryland, Prince George's, Montgomery County, and the James Dent Walker chapters of the Afro-American Historical and Genealogy Societies. So you can certainly see Shannon in person and ask him your burning DNA questions. So I would like to just Thanks, Shannon. Special thanks to you, Shannon, for sharing this information with us tonight. And everyone else, please remember your ancestors left footprints, and you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, look at your DNA, and research at the National Archives and beyond. You can continue this discussion on the research at the National Archives and Beyond and the AfroGenius Facebook pages. And also remember to listen to the African Roots Podcast with Angela Walton-Raji. And also tune in next Tuesday for the Black Progen Live with host Nika Sewell-Smith. In fact, Nika has a Black History program lined up every single week in February. Thank you so much for joining Ancestors Footprints, and I look forward to all of you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Good night, everyone. Good night, Shannon. Good night. Thank you so much. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.